Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the battle of the century between two of the most entitled women I've ever come across. This is Mad Margaret the Insane Granny, two iconic characters of this channel, and you're going to decide who is the worst. First up, this is the tale of Mad Margaret. Mad Margaret, the beginning. Today, I will be introducing you to a human being who is a curious mixture of entitled and insane. My first landlady, Mad Margaret. About eight years ago, I moved out of my parents' place practically a few months after returning from foreign exchange. My family is supportive, but pretty firmly believe in being autonomous and self-sufficient. So I looked for a place to live near my, at the time, girlfriend, now fiance. She lived on the outskirts of a larger city and finding low rent would be difficult. Eventually, I found a room listed for about $500 a month, which is almost criminally low for the area, but I was a foolish child and I didn't pick up on that first red flag. The second red flag came when I called to query about the room. My soon-to-be landlady made sure to emphasize that she was a pastor and a minister, that no amount of Satanism or evil thoughts would be allowed in the house. I am myself completely non-religious, so I foolishly believed that this would be perfectly fine. I explained that I was a student and would be doing student things. An agreement was made and I moved up shortly thereafter. Upon moving in, Mad Margaret was pleasant, if a little eccentric. She showed me to my room, my mum helped me unpack, and my mum and I left to get me some starting groceries. Upon our return, Mad Margaret showed me my shelf in the fridge and my shelf in the pantry. Mum and I load our stuff up and mum drives back home. Shortly afterwards, Mad Margaret apologized for leaving some of her groceries on the pantry and helped me move her stuff to a different shelf. This left all of my groceries stacked up in the middle of my shelf on the pantry because I didn't feel the need to spread them out. This is very important. My first morning in my new room, I wake up at around 8 a.m. to knock, 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 knock. Hey, Margaret, what's up? It's not going to work out. You need to pack your things up and leave. I'm sorry, what? You need to leave. It's not going to work out. Well, I paid first and last month's rent, so I'm here for at least two months. What's going on? Have I offended you? I don't need any of your feng shui, voodoo, devil rubbish in my house. Notes, it was not her house. She was subleasing. I don't recall doing any feng shui, voodoo, devil rubbish. What do you mean? She beckons that I follow her and stomps off to the kitchen where she flings open the pantry and points accusingly at my shelf. This feng shui rubbish. What's wrong with my groceries? How you organize them? You have them all stacked up in the middle like you're doing some feng shui rubbish to curse me and my child. Uh, no, I just left them there after we moved your groceries off my shelf yesterday. You had your stuff on the sides, so I put my stuff in the middle and then we moved your groceries. Humph. Well, I've got my eye on you. And that, my friends, was day one in this house. I lived there for a little over half a year. If you guys are interested, I can provide more epic tales of this mad woman. She was entitled, nuts, and pretty racist against black people, Asians, and Hispanic people. And speaking of more tales of Mad Margaret, guys, don't worry, because here is Mad Margaret Part 2. 
her righteous defense against the shaman and warlocks what a title one of the mistakes i made very early on as an independent adult was to regularly offer my technical and electronic skills to anyone and everyone it makes me feel cool and smart to fix things for people i made this mistake with margaret during my initial phone call setting up the rental situation the next day after she accused me of satanism based solely on how i organized my groceries she called me over to the living room i braced myself for another rant about my evil voodoo ways but instead mad margaret asked for my help she asked about a way to get her camcorder to stream live to the internet i figured this was an opportunity to get on her good side so i take the camcorder in hand and start fiddling with it as well as her computer to see what our options were this was in 2013 so live streaming was nowhere near as commonplace as it is today while playing with her outdated equipment to see if what she wanted was even possible she began to explain why she wanted to live stream you see mad margaret has a hobby Mad Margaret enjoys preaching daily to an empty room for about three consecutive hours. Give or take an hour depending on her mood. I later learned that this was the safest time to enter and leave the house as she would not stop unless God himself showed up to tell her to shut up. Margaret began telling me how desperately important it was that she do this daily. The following conversation, while possibly not identically worded, as it has been nine years, has not been exaggerated in the slightest, nor is she being misrepresented. This is who this woman is. Thank you, Bailey, for helping me get this fixed up. I knew it was the right choice letting you live here. Did she forget that she accused me of Satanism just yesterday? No problem. I just really enjoy fixing things. Do you know why I do this? preaching to her living room behind a lectern every day because you're a minister i was desperately hoping this would be a short conversation well because i fight daily for the protection of the world and all the good godly people here Mm Hmm. you know there are people on the opposite side people who work with the devil to try and bring ruin to the world every day there are shaman out there begging their evils to prevent the sun from rising each day oh if i wasn't here preaching god's word they would win the sun wouldn't rise and we'd all die in a world of darkness yes people i am not exaggerating this woman takes credit for the sun rising each day ah well thanks i guess each day i speak out against these evils you know the other day i saw thousands of crows on your college campus i knew they were sent by evil priests to stop my sermons they're an evil that collects around the godless students at the college that you go to i'm pretty certain that crows just have some kind of migration pattern up here in the fall they do of course we get tons of crows every year no it's them students i'll tell you i had one of those asians staying here last year i tried to tell him about god and jesus but he tried to put an evil on me for it that's unfortunate he had this shrine with buddhas and evil figures he tried to use his magic to curse my son's flight to crash the plane and kill him did his plane crash no because i stopped it with my sermons nito i've had other students from your college come here all of them evil so many of them smoke the devil's lettuce and let satan take over their body terrible influences on my other son later i would find out her other son lived in a building next door and was hands down the biggest stoner i've ever met in my entire life the dude was so chill and tried to redirect his mum from harassing us anytime he was there i'm sorry is all i can say so how's the camera coming honey um can we get my videos online You know, Margaret, I think that this camcorder and desktop are a little too old to be capable of doing that. I'm afraid you'll have to keep the recordings yourself. 
Following this, I left for my girlfriend's house as quickly as possible. Every day for the next month, Mad Margaret would attempt to pester or harass me into fixing her up to be live online. Each time I'd make an excuse to not get trapped into doing so. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mad Margaret Part 3, The Tale of the Possessed Dog. So, I moved out of my house when I was 18 to go to school near my girlfriend, now fiancé. I found a suspiciously cheap room in the area with a landlady who turned out to be nuttier than squirrel poop. Said landlady accused me of Satanism because of how I organized my groceries. Then the next day took credit for the rising of the sun. Note, this was several years back and she is no longer my landlady. All right then, on to today's episode. Margaret is, by my estimation, at heart somewhat lonely. How do I know this? Well, two reasons. One, if she saw me or one of the other two tenants and she wasn't preaching to an empty room, she would immediately attempt to hold us hostage in conversation. Seriously, no amount of mm-hmms or reallys would dissuade her from going on and on and on and on and on about how everyone besides her is evil and she's a saint. After one week where she wasn't able to successfully pester me or the other two tenants, she out of nowhere adopted a dog. Now, it's been nearly 10 years, so I cannot remember this dog's name, but I do remember the dog. It was a small curly-haired white dog that looks like this if you're watching on YouTube, and it was a sweetheart. This dog, when I met it, was jumping up and wanted nothing but love and affection, which it seemed at first Margaret was going to provide. She pet the dog, told her that she was a beautiful gift from the Lord, a great matchup, right? Well, before I elaborate much further, it warrants explaining the layout of the house. Mad Margaret's mad house was at one point in its history an assisted living home. It had three bedrooms on the first floor, one for each tenant, and a whole second story dedicated entirely to her grand regal radiance, Mad Margaret. It's also worth mentioning that Mad Margaret is, if you hadn't figured out from the other two stories, extremely mistrustful of, well, everyone. So she made a point that her fluffy white angel never be downstairs. Back to the story. For the next few days, I am, as always, careful to leave during Margaret's midday sermon to no one, as that is the only time she won't attempt to trap anyone in conversation. I noticed a bit of a trend. She kept talking about the cleanliness of God and how the devil was an agent of chaos and filth. Eventually, about a week after Mad Margaret got the dog, I was unlucky enough to return home while she was in the kitchen. She caught me. Bailey? Frick. What up, Margaret? We need to get rid of the dog. We? Oh no, I say. What's going on? It's possessed. I think by Satan himself. What What do you mean it's possessed? This, forgive me, but damn dog is intent on ruining my godly house is bringing filth into my home. Filth? It keeps defecating and urinating in my room. We need to get rid of it. Oh no, it wasn't potty trained. Those heathens at the shelter assured me that she was. Is it not going to the bathroom when you let it outside? And Margaret was silent. At this point, it hits me. I'd seen the dog precisely once when she'd initially gotten it. I'd leave the house pretty frequently, but one would assume my path would cross with her pottying the dog at least once, right? Margaret, you have been letting the dog outside, right? I want this demon gone. Sigh. 
What do you mean you want it gone? I want to take it to be put down. Um, absolutely not. Absolutely not, Margaret. Return it to the shelter. But it's possessed. The heathens at the shelter try to put a demon in my home. Margaret, the dog is not possessed. You never let it outside. Where the heck is it supposed to go to the bathroom? Do you expect it to stand up on the toilet, do its business, and flush? Oh, I just let it out the other day. Margaret, how often do you go to the bathroom? Every couple of days? No. Find me the number of the shelter and I'll call them for you. I don't have their number. I don't believe that. You better get your son to help you get this dog back to the shelter because if I find out you've had this dog put down because it pooped in the room you left it locked up in, you're gonna have a lot more to worry about than demons in this house. I'll call the cops, animal protective services, anyone and everyone. Fine, I'll get my son to help me return this dang demon. The last I saw the dog, she was loading up into her SUV and her son was driving. She'd lost her license several times over. So I'm fairly confident the dog was taken and returned to the shelter she got it from. For the next couple of days, she was surprisingly less talkative to me, though she definitely looked at me with some suspicion. I don't think she ever stopped believing that dog was possessed. I'm glad though that I was able to save it from her. I mean, listen, I knew this woman was crazy before I started reading this third installment of the Mad Margaret Tales, but my goodness, if you weren't there, OP, then this woman legitimately would have killed a dog for not letting it outside to go to the toilet. Mental. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, surely this woman can't get any crazier. Well, there's part four and part five coming right up. So, um, yeah, you'd be wrong, unfortunately. Mad Margaret part four other tenants. I've mentioned minimally in other installments of this story that there were other tenants in Mad Margaret's house. To be precise, there were two, Sad Steve and Devilish Dan. No names changed because I've forgotten their names at this point. I'm not the type of person to really know my neighbors and our paths seldom crossed because we'd all keep to our rooms for obvious reasons. Both of these men were a fair bit older than me, 40s and 50s, and both were semi-recently divorced, only living with Mad Margaret to be closer to their kids. We'll start with an introduction of Sad Steve. Sad Steve was a very clever, if very depressed man. In the months I lived there, I shared maybe two to three conversations with him. He was a set worker for a local TV show about a cop who can see supernatural fairy tale things. He was very sad about the way things went down in his life and wanted nothing more than to be there for his kids. He gave me a Mickey Mouse coffee mug I still own to this day. Now, as far as Mad Margaret was concerned, this man was a ripe target for impromptu sermons and semi-frequent snide remarks. The first time I spoke with Sad Steve in the kitchen, after chatting for a bit, Margaret came out and I very quickly finished making my food and scurried back to my room, unfortunately abandoning poor Steve. Steve was stuck in that conversation for a good two hours. The man either had the patience of a saint or just wouldn't will himself to exit the situation. She told him all about how God's got a plan for this. If you're righteous, your life won't suck. It wasn't good. The look on his face at the time broke my heart and I resolved to throw myself between Mad Margaret and Sad Steve anytime she started focusing on him. It felt like I was leaping on top of a grenade each time, but I'm fairly emotionally resilient. And honestly, I thought too much exposure to Margaret would drive Steve to a bad place. I wish I had more to tell you about Steve, but that's about the long and the short of it. Now, the other tenant there is someone that you've probably all been dying to hear about, Devilish Dan. Why do I assume your collective interest in Devilish Dan? Well, this man has acted out and personified just about every action you guys recommended I take. Dan hated Mad Margaret, and Mad Margaret hated him right back. These people were arch enemies in the most literal sense possible. Where I saw someone to be avoided for the sake of avoiding unnecessary inconvenience or drama, Devilish Dan saw a religious nut who could be messed with. Devilish Dan would laugh devilishly 
devilish Dan would outright claim to be Satan there to torture her. He would get into shouting matches with Mad Margaret because he apparently does not see the futility in arguing with crazy. He would slam his door and claim to be the Antichrist. Devilish Dan was surprisingly childish for a 50 plus year old man with graying hair. Now, while I disagreed with his tactics, his presence outside of his room was much appreciated because Mad Margaret would fix eight on him because he would actively antagonize her, which made any time he was roaming the house a safe time for me to go about my business unperturbed. A brief example of a typical interaction between the two would be this. Dan, are you trying to curse my son? I saw you looking at him with evil eyes when you were getting out of your car. Well, of course I was. What? Why? Why do you attack my family? Because I'm the devil incarnate, you stupid idiot. You loud, angry rambling. After a particularly bad night between the two, I was roused from my computer science homework by particularly loud slamming down the hallway. I decided to wait a bit for things to calm down, then took my laundry to the laundry room, which was right next to Devilish Dan's room down the hallway. I find Mad Margaret's practically Rastafarian son in the hallway staring at Devilish Dan's bedroom door, laundry in hand, shaking his head. On Devilish Dan's door, in white paints, in large horror movie fonts, was the message, don't threaten me. Good lord people, I wish I'd taken a picture. Mad Margaret's son had come over to pick up his laundry out of the dryer, only to find the message on the door. He yelled to Mad Margaret, Mom, I'm serious. You can't be doing this anymore. You're gonna get in trouble. Which was met with some shrieking about how devilish Dan was the devil. I quickly got the lowdown from the son. Devilish Dan doubled down on his devilish depiction. Mad Margaret, met with much misanthropy, momentarily melted down. This was also, apparently, not Mad Margaret's first time using this means of communication, so her son was concerned she'd be met with the police. Now, for those of you who are cheering on Devilish Dan, like me, by the way, the narrator here, I do want to take a moment to clarify. This is not necessarily just how he acted with Margaret. The man was a pretty rude narcissist, pinning the blame for all of his life's woes on Mad Margaret and his ex-wife. When I was looking for another room to rent, I met two lovely women in the neighborhood who had rooms, one of which I did move into and both had also had applications from Devilish Dan. Both of these women made it very clear they did not see him in a favorable light and that he'd been angrily ranting about how everything bad was Margaret's fault, taking no responsibility for himself. Ultimately, at the end of this tale, I remain concerned for Sad Steve and I hope he did well and got out of there. I feel little pity for Devilish Dan and I assume that if he remained there for much longer, one would have murdered the other personally i'm just glad to have left yeah not gonna lie guys i definitely see a lot of devilish dan in myself for better or worse um when someone is as crazy as that and is just downright deluded and mental yeah maybe in retrospect it's not the best thing to just mess with them but at the time i know that i wouldn't be able to help myself stuff like that writing that sort of stuff on his own door trying to make it seem as if mad margaret had done it i just love it and look, maybe that's the devil inside me sorry for the pun but i just love that sort of stuff and i do think she deserved it let me know down below do you agree with bailey op or do you agree more with devilish dan and his actions for me dan's clear 100 mad margaret part five margaret meets bailey's dad now if you didn't know bailey is the name of the person that has written this entire series all right then so we can get started we have to talk about somebody first my dad he is, well, an interesting guy. He's not tall, he's about 5'8", so a bit shorter than me, and he was in the Air Force for a long time as the guy who trained other people how to survive in the wilderness. He literally wrote most of the book on how to not die away from civilization. And he also fixed jets. He builds his own motorcycles and got one featured in a magazine. 
In terms of personality, he is a force to be reckoned with. Much of the time, he thinks he's a social butterfly and will walk up to random people to start conversations. Dad has an unerring sense of justice, enjoys helping people, is loyal, and is incredibly inventive and clever, although he can be rather opinionated. However, the man's got a fuse so short you'd barely believe it's there. And having trained military men in how not to die, he's got a hell of a drill sergeant voice. It's like he has the voice from the Dune series, except people tend to do what he says because he's able to shout so loudly and with such authority that you unconsciously begin doing whatever he's shouting at you about. It's like the annoyed voice of God. He'll love that I said that. In short, I love and respect this man as he formed a lot of who I am today. I'm a milder version of him and believe in being persuasive rather than shouty, but ultimately much to the same effect. So with that in mind, on to the story. Dad came down to visit me or to drop something off, I can't remember, in the city where I moved. We drove around for a bit before ultimately returning to Mad Margaret's madhouse. Upon our return, I take to moving whatever he's got in his truck into my room and I foolishly leave him unsupervised for more than 30 seconds. Of course, this means that Mad Margaret has crawled out of the air vents, or however it was she'd move around the house, to find him standing in the living room. Dad begins trying to make small talk with Mad Margaret, who I absolutely warned him about and begged him not to engage her. In retrospect, this was seen by him as an open invitation to meet a new crazy. That is exactly how I'd take that as well, I'm not gonna lie. So, how have things been with my boy moved in? Asked Dad. Well, I'm not so sure about him. What? What's the problem? I'm not so sure he's a good kid. I don't trust him. There's been some evil in this house since he moved in. At this point, dad begins turning a light shade of red. Ha, evil? Bailey's the best dang kid I've ever met. He's a straight A student and helpful to a fault. No, I think he's definitely into some kind of paganism, like all the kids going to his college. Dad now turns a deeper shade of red. Frickin' excuse you? I raised that kid. He's significantly smarter and kinder than I'll ever be, and even if he was Satanist, he's a million times kinder than you. At this point, I have felt the world shake and gods tremble as my dad is moments away from a shouting match with Mad Margaret. I don't need you or him bringing the devil into this house. I'm visually watching my dad turn a shade of red that even his colorblind ass can see and quickly run in to intervene. I run up to him. Dad, outside, now. We step outside. Dad, I love you, but I need you to not get into an argument with her. Why the heck shouldn't I? She was insulting my boy. Yeah, but I have to live here for at least a couple more months. So, why should you have to deal with this insane woman's BS? Because if I don't give her a reason to focus on me, she won't bother me much. I'm not being nice or deflective with her because I think she deserves it. I'm doing it because it doesn't benefit me at all to make enemies. Ugh, I raised a smart boy. Dang, she annoys me. Eventually, I convinced my dad to be content to give me a hug and I sent him on his way. Margaret tried talking to me as soon as I went back in and I responded, sorry, Margaret, I don't care. I've got homework. And I shut myself in my room. Important lesson to all. It doesn't benefit anyone to argue with crazy. Pick your battles by whether or not there's potential for them to benefit you in the future. Also, it's my dad's birthday today and he came up here to visit. We're going skydiving tomorrow. We went out for drinks and I asked him to reflect on Mad Margaret. He said, you know, I don't care if people are religious, whatever you gotta tell yourself to be able to live your life. But dang, she was freaking nuts. Now the good news is that big old Bailey, I don't know if they're big or not, but that's just something I say, has posted a sixth and seventh story about Mad Margaret. Mad Margaret part six, her surprising if brief redemption arc. 
This particular story starts not at mad margaret's house But rather at my girlfriend now fiance's house I've been hanging out with her all day and by that time her mum was probably sick of playing host to a teenage boy So I'd elected to go home and work on my homework Now it's important to note that my girlfriend's house was at the top of a very steep hill or rather a mountain I don't know what to call it since hill doesn't do it justice, but mountain seems a bit too extreme There were two paths down this hilly mountain the first of which and my primary means of access was a long winding road with no bike lane Unfortunately, I didn't have my driver's license until a couple of years later. So I biked everywhere The second trail down the mountainous hill was a footpath that I was unfamiliar with on this particular day The rain had been pretty intense and it was a bit foggy. So I decided to err on the side of safety I'm very cautious on my bike despite the biking culture here I still bike like i'm living in la where cars view on-road cyclists as mere speed bumps So I took the footpath Surely you can tell from the ominous italicization of that last sentence that this was a huge mistake Huge mistakes in bold and for those of you listening the last sentence was italicized The footpath was covered in leaves and I was unfamiliar with it as stated previously this area was unforgivingly steep So I was cycling down the footpath very rapidly cockedly assured of my prowess on a bike Well cycling prowess means jack diddly squat when you're hurtling down a hill at about 20 miles an hour And are suddenly presented with a very sharp turn through a tunnel I tried to lean into the turn and ease onto my brakes instead my wheels slid out from under me on wet leaves and my bike and I went skidding down the asphalt for about 10 feet after catching my breath I immediately released it again in the form of every curse word in every language I am familiar with Thankfully the trees that bore witness to my wipeout took no offense now It's important to know that this is all merely prelude to my epic trek hobbling back home Once I gathered up my bike and belongings ensured that most of my organs were where I left them and took inventory of how many of my inside fluids became outside fluids I began hobbling back the mile or two to mad margaret's house on the way back I passed by a preschool slash kindergarten and I thought to myself Aha keepers of children. Those are just the demographic that typically get injured and dinged up Perhaps they have a first aid kit I can use to keep my blood on the inside So I hobbled up to the school and asked if they had a first aid kit that I could borrow They gave me a pretty curt. Nope. We don't have one now while I am in fact certain that they did I can kind of understand where they were coming from an 18 year old with a somewhat busted looking bike came limping up covered in scrapes and bruises Looking somewhat like an extra in a bad zombie movie. I was annoyed, but I kept on limping Sorry, I got to intervene here any good school or any good person would still give you a first aid kit Come on eventually i'm halfway back home and I stumble across an ambulance parked on the side of the road I think to myself ah medical services Certainly these fine people will have the materials necessary so that I can patch myself up and be on my way The ambulance driver and emt looked at me with confusion at my request Hey guys, I kind of wiped out my bike my wrist hurts I've scraped off half my palm and i've got quite a few cuts any chance I could borrow some band-aids and some ace bandage to patch myself up Uh, no, we can't really do that but we could give you a ride to the hospital. Does that cost money? Uh, depends on your insurance. Okay, so this is how I know this story doesn't take place in the UK. In the UK, you're getting help right away in seconds without a question being asked, unless they're dealing with someone else, of course. The mere mention of a scary adult word like insurance sent 18-year-old me back on his quest to hobble home. That's really sad, to be honest. My final stop on the way back was at a church very near to Mad Margaret's house. I figured that at their core religious people should want to do nice things for the less fortunate and I was feeling less than fortunate at that moment I pestered a priest who was leaving who stopped long enough to grab me some ace bandage from his first aid kit before going on his way I pocketed the bandage and decided that I needed to wash off my wounds before putting it on 
I've made it to mad Margaret's house now before I start with her reaction Let me fully explain how injured I was feel free to skip this next paragraph guys if you're squeamish I'll put a little timestamp on screen right now of where to skip to if you don't want to hear this I had learned later that I fractured my wrist I'd cuts all over a big scrape on my knees and legs and the worst of it was i'd effectively scraped one of my palms down to the fat The fleshy part of my palm on my left hand under my thumb was yellowy and purpley Because there was a whole lot of hand left on the asphalt where I crashed. Anyway, here's margaret's reaction. I enter the house bailey Bailey, are you okay? Well, a lot of my blood is on the wrong side of my skin and I crashed my bike. Oh my god, you look horrible. Actually, I don't suppose you have any first aid stuff so I can start patching myself up, do you? Band-aids, rubbing alcohol. Absolutely, honey, let me get the things. She ended up pouring mild hydrogen peroxide over my scraped up hand over the sink. She looked like a concerned mother and offered more help than i'd accept She furnished me with band-aids and alcohol wipes. She helped me wrap up my injured hand after disinfecting it After that I excused myself to my room and finished cleaning up my remaining scrapes and covered myself in band-aids The next day I managed to nab a wrist brace from my fiance's mum, who's been a nurse since forever Mad margaret didn't harass me for at least two days afterwards So there we go. Maybe mad margaret is not as bad as I first thought. Maybe she just misunderstood Maybe she is nice Or maybe this was a one-off an anomalous event and she is still crazy mad margaret part seven her crazy landlady a quick disclaimer this is a conversation i had about 10 years ago i remember parts of the conversation very very clearly however other parts i'm probably not going to get the wording perfect i promise however that i'm writing it in the exact spirit of mad margaret and i refuse to misrepresent myself or anyone in a conversation It was a rainy day and I foolishly decided to make myself food in the oven rather than the microwave Now those who have read my previous stories will immediately understand this is a terrible idea The kitchen was a common area in the house and mad margaret has a sixth sense for when people linger in such areas If you found yourself in such an area for more than five minutes It was nearly guaranteed that she would crawl out of some nearby vent or materialize from a nearby swarm of bats In order to harass or preach at you I saw her enter the kitchen and immediately knew that I was trapped as my taquitos had just been in And I had 11 minutes of hell standing between me and my cheap tex-mex salvation Mad margaret started her kitchen cornerings as she often did by pretending to be looking for a coffee cup She rummaged around in cabinets for a few minutes before standing next to me to begin a conversation So bailey god help me or the devil. I don't care which how do you like living in this area? Honestly, I do love the area. I grew up in a desert. So I love having all the trees Almost everyone here has been so nice as well. Hmph. You're right. These people can seem super nice But there's evil amongst them. It's part of the human condition. There's evil people and jerks everywhere She completely ignores what I said people can seem so nice here, but really be more evil than you can imagine Yeah, shame Have I ever told you about my last landlady? Well this i've got to hear She seemed so nice at first, but ultimately she was very taken with the devil and absolutely crazy. Wow, that's really hard to imagine. When I first moved to this city with my young boys, we moved into a house near here. My landlady, an Asian name I can't remember, let us stay in a house she owned next door to her. Seems nice. Yes, it seemed like the perfect place for me and my boys, but I started to notice strange things. She made us take off our shoes before entering her house. Clearly, this was supposed to be a big hint that her landlady was evil. Uh, That's a pretty common practice, I think. Yeah, but it didn't stop there. Oh, no. Eventually, we saw her through the window doing yoga and strange poses. My goodness. 
after seeing her pray to the devil like this i knew she was evil personally i might need a little more evidence this next line is literally the only reason that i remember the overwhelming majority of this conversation and i swear to mad margaret's mad god that these were her exact words eventually she saw me watching her do her prayers and she took one look at me and she tried to use her asian ninja death breath to kill me and my boys her asian ninja death breath yes i asked to break the lease right there and moved out as soon as i could she just let you break the lease well yes she probably wanted to be rid of me because god wouldn't let her kill me with the death breath you know i think that's a fair assumption by that point my taquitos were about ready and i managed to grab them and scurry back to my room Okay, so even though we've established that Mad Margaret may have a nice side to her, may, um, and it may not have just been a coincidence that she was nice and helped you out with your cuts and bruises, she's still mental. And I'm sorry to swear, I really am, but you know, it's Mad Margaret, and she makes me do weird things. She is a strange lady. Now, for the final part of this entire story. Mad Margaret Part 8, The Final Chapter. My exit from Mad Margaret's house came with the very lucid realization that this woman could walk into an insane asylum and be the least sane person there. I began hunting for rooms because the concept of renting an apartment or house was still too terrifying for a freshly solo OP and I came across my new future landlady, Barb. Barb had interacted with Devilish Dan, who was also looking for respite from God's own nuthouse, and had determined that he was one of the most obnoxious people on this planet. She was overjoyed to find a modest and very kind teenager who'd be willing to live quietly in the separated room she had at her house. In the year I lived at Barb's, I'd seen her a total of twice, despite living in the same house. It was very nice. Thus began my move. I figured it was too risky getting my dad back up there to help me move, as I didn't want to give Mad Margaret a reason to attempt to purge my wickedness via fire and brimstone. So I began the hunt for suitable help. Luckily, I found a friend who was willing to help at my college and we got to work. I can't quite remember his name, but he was a very nice young man who was convinced he held the secret to room temperature superconductors via gold suspended in ferrofluid. Nice idea, but wrong. How weird. He and I hopped into his Nissan Leaf and headed to Mad Margaret's. Now, while we were there packing up my things, Margaret gave a wonderful show of the duality of her nature by simultaneously praising Jesus that my wickedness was being exercised from her house and telling me that I was an okay young man and to avoid the evils of the world, such as community college, alcohol, and the devil's lettuce. She eyed my friend's Nissan Leaf with much suspicion during my exit because A, it was owned by a college kid, and B, she didn't trust hybrids, something about the devil powering them. Thankfully, as a poor college student, my worldly possessions fit in two trips in my friend's car. All that was left in my room was the musty furniture it came with and the bucket I put under the constant drip from the ceiling. My final words to Mad Margaret were, thank you for letting me stay in your home, please seek mental help or so i thought you see i did see her one last time after that i was working at my job at radio shack i promise i'm not that old radio shack lasted longer than you all think when a familiar and long drawn out oh bailey came from the door there she stood in all her unholy glory mad freaking margaret dang it oh bailey i didn't know you worked here yep 
sure do. I see you got your license back. Absolutely. Actually, I was looking for- I'm sorry, Margaret. I'm actually just heading out to my lunch. But if you're still here when I get back, we can chat. I then hid in the back room for the next 30 minutes until I was certain she was gone. My manager, Roman, was quite amused, as I'm typically a hard worker and would never avoid a customer. I know I was young and not yet jaded by the wonderful world of retail. I gave him the full story when she left. Now, I'm sure you all want an epilogue as to the ultimate fate of Mad Margaret. But unfortunately, I'm pleased to report that I never saw her after that point. My best guess is that she got her license revoked again, as she is absolutely the type to continually harass a single person at a store if it catches her attention. She showed me her soapbox and sign that she used to bring downtown on weekends to preach to the masses. And that's it. I got out and never saw her again. I'd like to bump into her now as I'm a much more confident adult and I've got nothing to lose by gently commanding her to check herself into a mental institution, but I'm just as glad to avoid her. Okay, then let's move on to the second part now of this episode. Mad Margaret is done for now. Keep her in your thoughts, of course, but now let's move on to the incredible story of Insane Granny. Mother-in-law in the wilds, the Insane Granny Saga Part 1. Guys, this was originally posted on the 3rd of October, 2016. So this happened earlier today over the course of about three to four minutes. First of all, some relevant background. I broke my ankle and a few toes on opposite feet a few weeks ago. My cast was removed three weeks ago, so I'm mobile now and down to using just one crutch, mostly for balance. This has meant that my brother has been chauffeuring me around everywhere, including to and from work. He was running late today, so I wobbled my way down to a supermarket to grab milk, etc., and told him to pick me up outside the store at the little pickup drop-off point by the entrance. I was sitting on the bench outside the store when a wild mother-in-law appeared with her daughter-in-law and grandkid. Now, I'm not sure how old the kid was. I'm not good at judging kids' ages. But based on her stream of babbling, I don't think she could speak just yet. She was sitting in the little chair thing in the trolley and she seemed to be quite happy. The mother-in-law was an older woman who was walking slowly but seemed to be fine. The daughter-in-law parked the trolley and kid beside me and told the mother-in-law to wait here. She'll go and get the car so the mother-in-law didn't have to walk across the car park. From what I got from the conversation, the mother-in-law had been moaning about her feet and wanted to sit down. The daughter-in-law was trying to get her to sit on the bench and the mother-in-law was martyring herself. I promptly put a stop to all of that by offering the mother-in-law my dry part of the bench and moving further away to lean against the wall. She didn't even look at me before sitting down like she'd just been crowned. The daughter-in-law kissed the kid and told her, "Mummy will be back in a moment. You be good for granny and then we'll go for a fun ride in the car. The kid's happy and excited for the car ride and the mum disappears. As soon as the daughter-in-law was out of earshot, the mother-in-law turned to the kid and said, You're such a bad little girl. See, mummy's leaving you here. She's gone without you. No car for you. Cue the kid bursting into tears and screaming for her mum. Now, I'm not sure how much the kid understood of what the mother-in-law had said. It may have been all or she could have just understood the no car part. Either way, it's a trashy thing to say to your grandchild or any child, to be honest. I looked right at her and gave her the raised eyebrow look and some serious glaring, which probably gave away the fact that I'd heard her. She completely changed her tune then, loudly telling the kid that she was only joking and mummy will be right back, etc. Now, this didn't really have much effect on the kid and she was working herself into a right state. So the mother-in-law decided to take her out of the trolley seats. She plonked the screaming kid on her feet then turn back to sit on the bench. Now guys, this kid could have given Usain Bolt a run for his money. The moment she had her, not particularly stable, balance, she made a run for it, screaming for her mummy. 
straight towards the road There was about 15 feet between the road and me still leaning against the wall and about half that between the kid and the road In the time it took for me to realize the kid was heading for the road and that the mother-in-law hadn't seen anything The kid had made it past the bollard. There are bollards outside shops in the uk I'm, not sure why but I have theories. I have never moved so fast in my life I managed to grab the kid and make it back to the pavement before my ankle realized that a full sprint this soon was so not a good idea Neither of my legs were interested in supporting me after that So I just sort of crumpled into a heap on the pavement with this kid The next thing I know the daughter-in-law is there taking the kid from me It was her car that she'd run in front of she was crying. The kid was crying. I was crying it freaking hurt And the mother-in-law was still sitting on the bench Anyway, I blame it on the adrenaline and pain because normally I wouldn't get involved But I told the daughter-in-law exactly what had happened all of it Even what the mother-in-law had said to the kid when I left the daughter-in-law was still screaming at her mother-in-law So there we go. Then that is the first post Let's get straight into an update that was posted just one day later firstly the ankle It's sore, swollen, and bruised, but thankfully not rebroken. The doctor said it's badly sprained and will set my recovery back, but I don't need to go back into a cast. That's good to hear. So because I had an appointment with my physio this morning, I decided to wait for that instead of heading to A&E last night. Long story short, my physio was convinced that my ankle had re-broken and sent me up to x-ray. Physio department is in the hospital. A nurse or porter, I'm not sure what she was, stuck me in a wheelchair to take me and we got chatting. The nurse said, so how did you manage to hurt yourself this time around? Oh, I chased after a kid that ran into traffic my god how did that happen when was this yesterday and then i get ready to tell the story wait was this at the supermarket located here said the nurse uh yeah oh my god that was my niece that's right the mother-in-law is her mother apparently her sister-in-law so the daughter-in-law from yesterday took off and left her mother-in-law the nurse's mum at the store yesterday she's pretty sure her brother and her sister-in-law are now no contact as her sister-in-law has been pushing for no contact but her brother the daughter-in-law's husband is a mummy's boy and had been reluctant guys i apologize if the in-laws are getting a little bit confusing This is all in relation to what is coming up though. So it kind of has to be this way. Stay with it She is already no contact with her mother just to confirm that is the crazy granny of this entire story After she caught her pinching her newborn She also told me that her niece is fine, but her sister-in-law got a big fright. Well, i'm not surprised So there you go. It's a dang small world. I had a hundred questions for her but thought that might be a bit rude I'm not sure if I ever run into her again. It wasn't really clear where in the hospital she worked or what she actually does But you never know. Well one week later to the day. There's another update. So here we go I really didn't expect to have an update for this again. I was pretty sure it was all over I was wrong I had another physio appointment today and ran into the kids aunt again It turns out she's trained to be a physio. So i'll probably see her a lot after my appointment She asked if she could talk to me. So we had a sit down and a chat It turns out the insane granny has gone completely bananas She's apparently got enough sense about her to realize that the kid's mum now has a damn good reason to go no contact Along with the kid and could now probably convince her husband the kid's dad to go no contact too So knowing she is probably about to be 
cut off, she made a preemptive strike against the kid's mum and dad. She called the police and told them about the incident in the original post, except she completely changed the story. According to her, the kid's mum was being mean and neglectful to the kid, and the insane granny called her out on it, which evolved into an argument. While they were arguing, that is when the kid ran off into the road. The insane granny noticed and ran after her. The kid's mum then snatched the kid from granny and left the granny at the store. No mention of me entirely. Based on how quickly things have moved, they think that insane granny told the police this story on the day of the incident, if not the day after. I'm not sure what the rules are around the world, but here in Scotland, the police have to investigate and they also have to inform social services, who then have to do an initial assessment talking to the kid's school, doctor, and more. Basically, there are a few compulsory boxes to be ticked before deciding whether or not to carry out a more in-depth investigation, and there isn't much you can do to stop it. So the police dropped in to visit the kid's mum and dad last Thursday. The kid's mum told her version of events, but couldn't really give many specifics as she wasn't really there. She only really knew what I told her. So the police and presumably social services now have two conflicting reports, one of which claims the involvement of a third party me the next day they received notice that social services would be in touch this has all lit a fire under the kid's dad's butt and he confronted the insane granny the highlights told to me at least include her end game is to get custody of the kid she hopes the kid's mum will be jailed and she admitted to lying to the police but is confident the kid's mum can't prove what actually happened because there's no way she'd be able to find me to corroborate the kid's aunt was told all this over the weekend and while everyone seems to be sure that both the police and social services won't find any problems they're understandably nervous The aunt didn't tell the kid's mum and dad that she'd met me in the hospital for two reasons. First, she didn't actually have my permission to do so and definitely didn't have my permission to give out my contact details. Basically, the aunt asked if I'd be willing to give my side of the story to the police and social services and could the kid's parents contact me. I've agreed and the aunt is going to pass everything on to the kid's parents. Chances are they won't need me to do anything, but you never know I also pointed out that the security cameras for the store would have caught everything and that would probably be the police's first stop So the drama continues Okay, then and then just five days later we got the third update to this story. So things have gotten Interesting the kids mum contacted me and we met up for coffee yesterday She's a really nice lady who was under a lot of stress. I told her about r slash just no mil That's the subreddit that this story was originally posted on and she said she'd have a browse Though i've got no idea if she was just being polite or not She ended up a bit of a ranting mess, but I don't blame her to be honest She did clear up a few things though The big one being that the insane granny didn't call the police She called a friend of hers who works in the social services insane granny gave this social service services friend her version of events and the friend officially reported the kid's mum that's how the police became involved social services contacted them as they most likely spearheaded by the social services friend though this is a speculation on the kid's parents part believe the kid to be in immediate danger the police have found that the kid is in no immediate danger but they're still investigating what happened at the store i'm going to give them my statement at some point next week and that should hopefully be the end of it Social service, on the other hand, is a totally different can of worms. Regardless of how they got involved, they still have to do an initial assessment and will also be investigating the incident at the store. From what the kid's mum told me, Insane Granny's social service friend is either pushing everything 
or is actually in charge of the investigation. So far, this social service friend has mostly been doing her job, though rather invasively. She is allowed to speak to all of the kids, parents, neighbors, co-workers, the kids' school, and the kids' doctor. What she isn't allowed to do is show up at the kids' parents' house with the insane granny to try to force a reconciliation. Apparently, insane granny really went for it with the manipulation and gaslighting in front of the social services friend. She seems to be trying to make the kid's mum look like the insane one. Between bouts of fake crying, she, one, acted concerned about the kid's mum's mental state, saying she must be hallucinating because she's remembering the incident wrong. Two, said that the kid should be placed in her, the insane granny's care, until all this nonsense is sorted. Three, asked her son, the kid's dad, how the divorce proceedings are going. They're not divorcing. She's just trying to make it look like they are to her friend. And four, told the kid's mom that she was glad she was feeling well enough to clean the house and asked her if she'd managed to feed the kid today. Oh, wow. When the parents pulled out their trump card, the fact that aunt is, and now there, in contact with me, the granny started fake crying and asking why aunt and kid's mom are lying to everyone that the kid's mom had dragged aunt into her delusion and that she the kid's mom needs help then she turned to her social services friend and told her that aunt and the kid's mom must be paying some poor homeless girl or student to lie for her i totally called that by the way i knew she was going to accuse me of lying or something similar At this point, the kid's mum admits that she lost it at Insane Granny and was screaming at her to leave. This was convincing enough for the social services friend and apparently the kid's dad to suggest to the kid's dad that he might want to have the kid's mum sectioned, committed to a psychiatric facility. Once the social service friend and Insane Granny left, the kid's parents argued. The gist of it being that the kid's dad was sort of taken in by his mother's insane granny's claims she didn't tell me much about that just that he's sleeping in the guest room now wow i offered to speak to him but she rightly i suppose thinks that he should trust her without outside input yeah i agree to be fair you're telling me that he's believing his crazy mom the insane granny over his wife i mean that's on him anyway i've advised her to contact social services herself and give them my contact information so there is an official paper trail and insane granny social worker friend can't claim that she didn't know anything about me i've also told her to make a complaint about the social services friend but she's nervous that doing so right now might make things worse okay then so the next update comes just one day after the previous one on the 17th of october 2016 i'd ask the kid's mum if she wanted me to go and make a statement to the police or or just wait until social services contact me she wanted me to go to the police as she's trying to get an interdict order essentially a restraining order against insane granny so i went to give my statement to the police and oh boy has insane granny done a number on them after the kids parents told her that they were in contact with me she went to the police and told them that i might come in claiming to have been involved in the original store incident She's managed to weave some intricate lie, essentially trying to discredit me before I gave evidence. This worked to a certain extent. The officer in charge of the case made it very clear he thought I was lying and had been paid off. He asked me a few times how much I was making doing this and told me that I could be arrested for wasting police time and perjury. He was immediately dismissive of me and condescending, which I'm ashamed to say I don't respond very well to. I think that's fair enough. I mentioned in a comment on one of my previous posts that I work in forensics and I've been an expert witness, both educational and reporting, implying that I could be accepting bribes or that I'm lying could potentially kill my career. 
No way am I endangering my career because some manipulative old lady has an officer wrapped around her gnarly old witch finger. Wow, I love the imagery there. I will say though, this granny must be very skilled in terms of convincing people to side by her. She's got an officer on board. That is elite from her, despite the fact that she is clearly insane. Anyway, unfortunately, I've worked with more than my fair share of people who take one look at me and think I'm some sort of inexperienced daft bimbo. I usually try to assert myself, and if that doesn't work, let them embarrass themselves. It happens eventually. In this case, it happened at the end of the interview, when he asked me for my employment details. My official job title sounds way more important than it is. It has the words lead, investigator, forensic, and a few other ones in there that make me sound impressive. This definitely made him sit up and listen. I'm not going to lie, I kind of chewed him out a bit, though he mostly realized himself that he'd screwed up. He'd allowed himself to be completely manipulated by insane granny, and I pointed out that it's pure luck that what I do for a living comes with a lot of credibility. What would have happened if I had been some poor student or someone uncomfortable in this type of situation or heck anyone else? So I set the record straight about insane granny. Well, what I know to be facts. I also filled him in off the record about what aunt and the kid's mum told me, which I obviously can't prove. So we had a chat and I got a few things straightened out. One of which was that insane granny did in fact contact the police after the incident at the store. I was originally told that she contacted the police who contacted social services. Then I was told that this wasn't true. Instead, insane granny had contacted her social services friend who reported the incident and somehow got the police involved. It was unclear how. So we think, complete speculation on mine and the police's part here, by the way, that once insane granny made her report to the police and they said they'd be contacting social services, insane granny took it upon herself to contact her social services friend. So we definitely know that the social services friend is not officially involved. A few of you who work in social services pretty much said the same thing. That is shady. So insane granny and her social services friend are basically a rogue duo going around town trying to get dirt on the kid's mum. I've reported her. I've told the kid's mum this too, and the police are now aware of her. So whether they just let social services deal with her or get themselves involved, I don't know yet. The officer also told me some of the things that insane granny has claimed about me. Now, before anyone loses their head about him breaking confidentiality, etc., he never actually gave me her side of the story or told me what she said in her statement. I got that from the kid's aunt. All he told me was what she said when she came in to warn him I'd be making a fake police report. So she's claimed to the police, this is, that I, someone she knows absolutely nothing about and met for less than five minutes, am a poor student desperate for money. I have a history of lying to the police. She knows this because apparently I'm friends with the kid's mum's drug addict cousin. I might be a drug addict, she doesn't know, and that I once tried to seduce her son, the kid's dad, which is impressive as I've never met the guy before. Unfortunately, I gave him all my watts, so I don't have any to spare for you. I also asked about the security camera outside the store. They didn't manage to get anything from them as they're aimed at the door, not the pickup area. I did have a look on the way in and I thought that it might be a long shot. So what is still to happen? The kid's parents will have an official social services visit sometime soon. Social services will most likely want to talk to me. The police will be going after insane granny for wasting police time and filing a false police report. And finally, there will hopefully be a follow-up to my complaint about the social services friend. Well then, let's see what happens next. Eight days later, we get the fifth update in this story. 
I don't think you'll need your drama llamas for this update. More likely you'll need your perplexed alpacas? Anyway, it's more weird than dramatic. As some of you know, because of the state of my ankle, I've been staying with my parents and younger brother for the last few months. Well, on Monday, my mum had the day off and was pottering around the house. My parents' place is in a very rural area of Scotland. Our closest neighbour is six miles away and our house is at the end of what is essentially a mile-long dirt or tractor track. It's hard to find and the only strangers we get out here are either forestry people who miss the forest access road or one or two brave or quite possibly lost Jehovah's Witnesses. Google Maps and sat-navs can't find it and no one delivers out here except Royal Mail. At around noon, a car pulled up. However, no one got out. This isn't too unusual. As I said, it's usually someone lost. So my mum hung around at the front of the house in case they came over to ask directions. Instead, after a few minutes, the car left. About an hour later though, the same car pulls up and the same thing happens again. Another hour goes by and they're back again. Only this time, two women exited the car. They didn't go to the door. Instead, they decided to have a little snoop around. One tried to go around the back of the house, which is currently fenced off as our back garden is being used as a paddock for a pregnant mare and her foal. The others started trying to look in the windows. So my mum goes out and asks if she could help them. They very quickly say no. They were just looking before booking it back to their car and speeding off. Naturally, my mum was confused enough to tell my dad, brother and I what happened pretty much as soon as we got home. I've definitely been working in forensics too long as my immediate reaction was that they were casing the place. Now, we have security cameras. They're not for the house or security. They were originally set up around our back garden so we could watch for when the mayor went into labor. They were never removed because the foal turned out to be the reincarnation of Houdini and then we had the mayor covered again. One of the cameras is aimed at the gate that one of the women tried to open to get into the back garden. So we had a little look at the footage. Can you guess who was trying to open that gate? Yep, insane granny was at my parents' place. I have no idea who her friend was, what they wanted, or why they didn't talk to my mum. And I can only assume she got this address from the kid's parents. My money is on the dad. My mum had a day off work as well, but she said no one turned up. However, I have a day off tomorrow, and apart from my brother being about in the morning, I'll be home alone. I know many of you will suggest calling the police for either harassment or trespassing, or both, but in Scotland, trespassing is a civil matter, not a criminal one, so they can't get involved. There are laws regarding trespassing, but they're mostly to do with squatting, and Scotland has a lot of public access laws, which essentially let people go wherever they want in regards to the rural areas. The stalking and harassment laws require two related incidents, and must pass the reasonable person test. If the average person on the street was subject to this behaviour, would they feel threatened, alarmed, or distressed? If not, then there was no offence. The offender must also be aware that what they're doing is causing alarm or distress. For example, if your mother-in-law wants access to your kids and keeps coming around to your house to complain every night for a fortnight, you become fed up and begin to feel distressed about your mother-in-law's constant visits. Your mother-in-law is aware that her behavior will cause you distress and is hoping to wear you down into letting her see your kids. I'm not particularly worried. Even with my leg, I'm pretty sure I could take her and my brother has graciously let me borrow Bernard, his old shinty stick with a kitchen knife duct taped to it. When I first broke my ankle, I also gave myself a head injury. My brother and I spent that night and the next day binge watching The Walking Dead and I think he freaked himself out as two days later, Bernard appeared. Ah, it's too close to Halloween for this. Okay, and that is the end of the fifth update. So just to briefly go over what's happened so far in this story. 
OP has saved the child from running into traffic after being bullied and released by this insane granny. The granny then gives a false police report to get custody of said child. OP then has a chance encounter with the child's aunt and offers to be a witness. If you remember, that was the nurse. Granny then goes to the police station first, though, and lies about OP. Luckily, this is resolved, despite the police officer's failings at first, due to OP's profession, forensics, alongside the police. And then, as we've just seen, the granny has turned up at OP's parents' home. All right, then, now getting straight into update six. This comes on the 27th of October, 2016, so just a couple of days after update five. I'd like to clear up a few things from my last post. A few people thought that I wasn't taking this situation seriously enough. And I think I came across as a bit blasé and unconcerned about everything. I apologize for this. And I want to say that I am treating this incident seriously. And I do not think it was an innocent coincidence. I know this woman is dangerous and always plans to take action. I wasn't planning on just forgetting or ignoring this. I think the problem most people had was that they didn't think the steps I planned to take were enough. For example, I'd always planned to contact both social services and the kids' parents about this and I've been undecided about contacting the police. Posting here, however, quickly convinced me that contacting the police was a good idea. Many of you have also expressed concerns about my family, property, and the animals. Yeah, that is fair enough. You do have an insane granny coming onto your property and sneaking about. This is unfortunately a bit more difficult as it's not my house and my parents seem to think I'm paranoid. My dad was the biggest holdout. But after pointing out some of the rubbish that my grandmother has pulled, I swear I'll post more about her. This has kind of taken over though. He agreed to take a few safety measures that we honestly should have done regardless of insane granny. There have also been a few who don't believe this is real. I haven't gotten messages about this, but the mods have. To you, I say, I completely understand that mentality. It's hard to imagine that there are people out there capable of this, and I get that me randomly stumbling over the aunt so soon after the original incident sounds like a convenient coincidence, and the insanity has just continued. I get it. I'd be skeptical too if it wasn't happening to me. For some of you, it's even harder to imagine that I would post personal details about both myself and another family. Well, that's what Reddit is. From the just no subreddits to r slash relationships to r slash raised by narcissist to r slash today i effed up they all contain personal stories i mean you guys watching and listening to this episode will know that that is the beauty of reddit however op has changed and omitted many many things to keep all parties anonymous and yet still give you an accurate retelling of what's going on so in that regard yes you could consider my post lies I also have the permission of the kid's mum to make these posts and the police are aware of them too. I am aware though that I am words on a screen to you. You don't know me. You've got no way of confirming any of this and I draw the line at posting more personal details of anyone involved. Yes, even including Insane Granny. This includes the video of Insane Granny. All I can say is that this is a very real and frustrating situation that I hope resolves itself quickly. Though if people or our supreme overlords, the mighty mods, love you really, want me to remove information or posts or stop updating altogether, that is perfectly fine. It's an interesting one and I completely back OP here. Obviously, as I always say with all the stories that I narrate, there is no way of us ever really knowing 100% if they are 100% legit, but that's kind of part of the fun, isn't it? Deciding whether or not they're fake or not. I will say on this one, the amount of detail leads me no doubt. This is definitely a real story. It's just an insane granny. What can you say? I will say though, guys, get your comments in down below. Do you think this story is real or fake? I am pretty confident it's real, but you know, let me know. What do you think? So then the updates. All was quiet on my day off. No sign of insane granny. 
Sorry, drama llamas. No fee today. I called the police officer who previously took my statement and there is nothing they can do about insane granny being at the house. He also just repeated what I already knew about trespassing, harassment and access laws. Sorry to our Reddit user who had asked about this. I tried, but it apparently barely counts as an incident. Never mind more than one. As far as witness intimidation goes, the law, the few that exist, only really protects witnesses and victims when a case goes to court. He also warned me not to try to remove her from the property or set traps, as if she's injured, she can sue. Now, I hadn't planned to do that anyway. The good news is that it's been officially reported and I've sent in the video of her trying to open the horse's gates. Social services also know and have assured me that they're still investigating Insane Granny's friend. They wanted to know if it was that same friend with Insane Granny at my parents' house, but she doesn't appear on tape. I've pointed them in my mother's direction though as she can give a description of the other woman. I texted the kid's mum the night I made my last update and another Redditor gets a cookie or a stiff drink if you'd prefer. She was too busy exploding at her husband to reply but she rang me the next day and updated me. The kid's dad is the leak. He categorically denied giving my address to insane granny. No, no, he's not that stupid. He actually did. He gave it to the social services friend the moron. Apparently, she rang him the day after her little intervention, asking for the witness's address, and he just handed it over. I've not met this guy yet, but I already want to kick him in his special place. I mean, teeth. From what she said, he seemed to be coming around to the fact that Mummy Dearest is a psycho, but obviously there are still problems. This incident has caused him to slip back into his previous delusions, i.e. he doesn't believe that she'd come all the way out here and that I must be lying to them. So she made him ring Insane Granny and outright ask his mum if she'd been to my parents' place. As she told me this, I was all ready to send her the video so she could show it to her husband and prove that the Insane Granny, his mum, was lying. That never happened. Insane Granny admitted on speakerphone to the kid's parents that she'd been at my parents' place. According to her, she went to confront me for lying to the police and to convince me to follow the moral path and save her family. That's an actual quote according to the kid's mum by redacting my statement. Second, nobody by my name lives there. Third, the lady that lived at that address, I'm assuming this is my mum, had never heard of me. And finally, that I didn't give my real address, so therefore I can't be trusted. The kid's mum told Insane Granny that it was my parents' place, and I was staying there because of my broken ankle, which had been further injured by her actions. Basically, she defended me, and it turned into a screaming match before Insane Granny hung up. I get why the kid's mum corrected her. I do. But now it's been confirmed that I do live at that address, so she's probably going to come out again. Her friend was never mentioned though, and I've sent her the video of Insane Granny, which won't do much good if she's admitting she was out there. They've also had their initial assessment by their actual social service worker, and it seems to go well, and they'll be in contact soon. I honestly can't figure out what Insane Granny's plan is here. I'm very suspicious of her immediately admitting to being at my parents' place, unless she noticed the cameras and figured that she'd been caught. It's possible they weren't exactly hidden. A few other things I've done since Insane Granny's visits. I've moved some of the security cameras to cover the front of the house. Well, this is a lie, actually. My dad did that. I was just there. They're pretty well hidden now. So if Insane Granny and her mysterious friend 
do get wind of the fact that she was caught at the gate and decide to visit again but avoid the gate, she should be caught at the front of the house. At the very least, we'll get the car license plates. Bonus, Scottish laws say nothing about having to signpost that there are cameras about, as they only aim at our domestic property. The foal has been moved. Now, this was going to happen anyway. We started to wean her and get her used to a few things. Her head collar, lead rope, the farrier, etc. And get her socializing with other foals. Pregnant mum is boring now. Unfortunately, the mare is still in there as it's coming into winter now and we don't have anywhere else suitable to put her. I'm not overly worried. She tends to keep her distance from strangers, even when offered food. There's not much more we can do with her. And finally, I also did something I maybe shouldn't have. I lifted insane granny and her mysterious friend's prince from the gate and the window. There was just a really great set on the window. Now, for a whole heap of reasons, these will never, ever stand up as evidence in court, if anything ever got to that stage. I don't really know why I did it. They can't be used in any official capacity, but there you go. It's just heating up. I love the fact that you've lifted prints. You couldn't even help yourself, OP. Not that you could ever use them. It's just in your DNA. What a pun that is, by the way. What a pun. We're kind of at a crossroads here, aren't we? Not exactly sure what's going to happen next, but the insane granny and her friend are getting physical now. Like the fact that they've gone to your parents' house and are snooping around just shows that they have no intention of stopping before they get what they want. The fact that they've gone to some place in the middle of nowhere up in some Scottish valley to try and like just, you know, bring all this together, get you gone, make sure the police believe them and not you. It's mental. So far, this story has been brilliant. As I said, I 100% believe it's real. And every fiber in my being, I mean, if it's not, then fair enough. You're an amazing creative writer, OP. But yeah, oh, I'm excited to see what happens next. Okay, then. So this is officially update seven of the entire story on November the 10th, 2016. That's two weeks after the last update. So I had an interesting few days. To the total and utter shock of exactly no one, Insane Granny showed up at my parents' place again. I was there alone and heard the doorbell, but not the car pulling up. I answered the door and insane granny was standing with another woman who claimed to be from social services I suspect that this is the elusive social services friend that has been helping She wanted to interview me about the original incident and my police reports I didn't let them into the house and told social services lady that there is no way i'm giving her my statement with insane granny present She shouldn't even be here and I should have been contacted before she randomly showed up Social services lady then backtracked a bit and said that it was just a friendly unofficial visit to discuss me redacting my statement to the police Before I could react to that insane granny opened her mouth and asked in a sickly sweet voice why won't you let us in the house is it because it's full of drugs hey you what i know she's been telling people this but that was rather on the nose i ignored her and told them both to leave while she tried to peer around me and into the house social services lady kept pushing for an unofficial interview and then said they could wait while i tidied away the drugs if that made me more comfortable at this point i realized they're both completely insane and i probably won't be able to reason with either of them so i asked them to leave again and told them i would call the police if they did not comply not exactly a bluff i would definitely call them it's just that i know that there is absolutely nothing they can do but I was hoping the threat of it would make them leave. Then insane granny opened her mouth again and asked me, how much do you make working as a whore? She was oddly calm when she asked these questions, like she was asking me about the weather. It was creepy as anything. I assumed she wanted a big reaction from me to make me look like the crazy one. She didn't get one. 
I just blinked at her and took up my phone to call the police I didn't even manage to start dialing before social services ladies said they were leaving and asked me when i'd be available to give my statement to her I told her if social services want to interview me It will be a different social worker and would be at my place of employment Then I gave her my business card. My purse was just inside the door that shut her up and she started to walk back to her car Insane granny, however, wasn't happy that social services lady wanted to leave She suddenly went from creepy calm and sweet to screaming at me She had a proper tantrum too stomping her feet and flinging her body about She even started kicking one of my mum's planters repeatedly I don't know if she was trying to break it or kick it over But she just kept ramming her foot into it while screaming that i'm a lying little female dog Taking her baby away from her scum trying to ruin her life just like the kid's mum, a and a and yeah those two have just been censored but i'm sure you can probably work out what they might be i just turned around went into the house and closed the door on her i could see from the window that social services lady had pulled the insane granny back to the car they sat there for a few minutes talking before the insane granny just lost her mind in the car I have no idea what she was saying, but she was banging her fists on the dash and throwing herself about. The car was actually shaking. Two minutes later, they pulled away. And I have the entire episode on tape. I rang the police officer that I've been dealing with and met with him yesterday to report this and give him the tape. This definitely goes down as an incident of harassment and I've spoken to HR at work who were setting up a meeting for me with a solicitor. I've also complained to social services again and updated the kids' parents. I also saw on the tape that before they rang the doorbell, they went snooping again. Not near the horse this time, but they were looking in the windows again. I'm not sure what will happen with this. I'm hoping social services lady has come to her senses and dumps insane granny's butt. Or she tries it at my work, which won't go well for her at all. All right, then that is the end of the seventh update. But let's not wait around. Update eight comes two and a half weeks later on the 28th of November. So I only found out about this today and I'm writing it up in the middle of a staff meeting. So bear with me. I rang the kid's mum on the way into work and it just all came out. She was too upset and it's too early in the process yet to answer a lot of questions. So basically, I know what you know or are about to know. Firstly, I met with a solicitor through work. I've had to do it this way in case insane granny attempts to approach me while I'm at a crime scene. He doesn't think there's enough for a non-harassment order, but he's going to try anyway. This isn't costing me anything, so he can do what he wants. We've put a few safety measures and deterrents in place that I'm not going to mention here just in case. Wow, imagine if insane granny was tracking her on reddit too. I rang the kid's mum this morning to update her about my solicitor and she gave me an update on insane granny. Oh boy, is she living up to her name? She rang the kid's dad while he was at work last week and left a series of ranting messages. Most were about how she was done with all the petty fighting, how everything was the kid's mum's fault, he never should have married her, etc. In one, she told him she was putting her foot down, that they were leaving, and that he should meet her at the airport as soon as he left work. He, in what I assume is a very rare moment of intelligence, I'm not a fan of this man if you couldn't tell, completely ignored her and instead went home after work. Any bets as to what he found when he got home? If you guessed a wide open front door and a ransacked house, you win a cookie and a stiff drink. If you guessed insane granny packing his clothes and belongings into suitcases, you win two cookies and a double shot of your stiff drink. If you guessed all of the kids' clothes and toys packed into insane granny's car, 
along with the actual kid you win three cookies and a triple shot and if you guessed all of the above congratulations you win a bakery and a pub guys if you commented that then i'm gonna have to supply the bakery and the pub free of charge it's gonna be my expense Opie says so. Yep, Insane Granny was still on the pickup list for the kid's nursery. Don't worry, this has been fixed. So she'd packed all her stuff, nicked the kid, used the hidden spare key to get into the parents' house, packed her son's and granddaughter's belongings, including their passports and birth certificates, and loaded up the car with the intent of heading to the airport and leaving the country. I'm not sure what the kid's dad's reaction was, but he did phone his wife, the kid's mum, and tell her she didn't need to pick the kid up from nursery. When she told me this, I believe my reaction was, oh, how freaking thoughtful of him. Then I eye rolled so hard they fell out and I lost them. So if you see them, nearsighted, blue, I'll pay for shipping. Anyway, the kid's mum heard Insane Granny in the background of that phone call and got the story out of him. I think you guys will probably heard her roaring when she found out Insane Granny's plan. She immediately called the police while she sped her way home. The kid's mum pulled up before the police did and she immediately got her kid out of Insane Granny's car. When she entered the house, Insane Granny lived up to her namesake and went insane at her. I wasn't given details about what she said, but there was apparently a lot of screaming about the kid's mum stealing her baby and ruining her life and more. I've got no idea what the kid's dad was doing at this point. The police arrived and Insane Granny instantly shut up and became all sweet and calm. She pulled this act with me the last time I saw her. It's creepy as anything. The police separated the kid's mum and Insane Granny to take statements. And once again, Insane Granny lied to them. She claimed that the kid's dad had let her into the house and that she was helping him move out as the kid's parents were divorcing. I think she was expecting the kid's dad to just roll over and go along with her, like usual. Instead, though, according to the kid's mom, he just looked really defeated and told the police, no, that's not what happened. So Insane Granny was arrested for theft by housebreaking, which is basically breaking and entering. But Scotland is a special little snowflake and doesn't have breaking and entering. Instead, we have housebreaking, which isn't illegal unless there was also intent to steal. We also don't have burglary. Instead, we have robbery which is theft with violence or the threat of violence. And we have theft, which is, well, theft. Interesting Scottish laws here. Editor Stevo editing this. Your thoughts? I think it's a little bit weird. Oh, and apparently the kidnapping rules are also weird too. England and Wales have kidnapping laws, but Scotland has abduction laws over the age of 12 and plagium laws, children under the age of 12. None of them count in this situation as Insane Granny technically still had permission to pick the kid up from playgroup and she took the kid to her primary residence. Yes, she planned to leave the country with her, but the fact that she planned for the kid's dad to come too, she even had a plane ticket for him, counts as having parental permission to take the child out of the country, as technically the kid would be in her dad's custody. Regardless if this was by design or not, she's very good at just skirting the edge of illegal and dancing about in the legally grey area. Anyway, she was charged and then released on bail, so she's still out there. The kid's dad seems to have seen the light though, which is good, and they've started cracking down on their security now too. She's been taken off the nursery pickup list, they're changing the locks, security cameras, the works. Well, that is good to hear. Oh, and social services got back to them and gave them the all clear. They're not taking their investigation any further. And there we go, guys. That is the end. A happy ending for once. Oh no, I'm only joking. One week later, here's another update from the 6th of December. I mentioned last time that Insane Granny is out on bail. She's electronically tagged, has a curfew, and is not allowed any contact with the kid's parents or the kid. This includes being near their house, workplaces, the kid's school, and more. 
She's also being charged with a few other things for some of her previous actions relating to me Now i'm not going to actually say what these charges are as the court rolls are public So anonymity would be right out of the window, but this does mean that she's not allowed to contact or be near me either Yay personally i'm hoping this is the end of it, but history has shown i'm not that lucky The kids parents are still together Though from what the kid's mum has said, this is only so the kid can have a nice Christmas. She seems to have the same problem that a lot of you here do. She thinks her husband is perfect in every way, except for when it comes to pretty much everything regarding his mother. But he's agreed to counselling, so we'll see what happens in the new year. I spoke to the aunt as well. She's completely on the kid's mum's side. She doesn't have anything nice to say about her brother, the kid's dad, right now. Wow. That said, she has been telling me some stories about their childhood, and I'm pretty sure Insane Granny is evil in its purest form. Social services friend has been struck off. I had an interview with their investigative committee or whoever and gave my witness statement. She has an interim order, so she can't work in any form of social services at all. I've got no idea how long that lasts, but she was found to be a danger to the general public and service users, so I'm hoping a long time. I'll also be on her disclosure Scotland, so I doubt she'll ever work with the vulnerable again. There'll be a hearing sometime in the next six months or so that I'll be testifying at too. And I think that's it really. We're keeping the security cameras around the house and I'm actually moving back to my flat sometime in the new year, which I'm looking forward to. And then four months later on the 15th of March, 2017, we got this. The final huge update to this tale. I know for some of you it won't be enough, but I've taken photos because I've thrown my uncooperative idiot of a scanner out the window of my witness citation and my original complaint about the social services friend and redacted them worse than anything that ever came out of Area 51. Obviously, I can't prove everything or even have copies of everything, and I'm not going to ask the kids' parents and others for their documentation just to post it here. Right then, so having a quick look at this, you can see it is from the Scottish Courts and Tribunal Service. It all looks pretty official to me. Obviously, a lot of stuff has been removed, personal details and such. Moving on to the second one, make a complaint about a worker registered with the Scottish Social Services Council. Well, that is exactly what OP claims to be doing. Yeah, all the stuff has been crossed out but it looks very legit ah and now we see what is really legit the actual story in itself yeah with everything crossed out if you are watching on youtube you can see but this is the exact same story that op has been telling us on reddit just written in an actual complaint form now if op has faked all of this to this extent i mean there's loads here i'll put everything on the screen but there is absolutely loads loads and loads of pages let's just flick through them all wow it's signed as well that uh fair play You've conned us all, but uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious by this point if it wasn't already that this is a completely legit story Okay, so the last time I left you insane granny had been released on bail and wasn't allowed to contact the kid Her parents or me She didn't even get a chance to contact the kid or her parents as the kid's mum decided to visit her parents Somewhere in englandshire for the holidays The kid's dad did go with them on the condition that if he at any time opened his mouth in defense of insane granny the kid's mum would file for divorce that day they are still together so he must have shut up as far as i was concerned this was over the only problem i had is that when someone is electronically tagged a condition of her bail they need the addresses of the places they're not allowed to go so that they know not to go there in my case this was my parents place where she'd already been my main office which she knew from my business card and my own flat 
Thankfully, my flat has two security doors and I'm never there. My parents had also decided to redo their driveway before Christmas too. This was something they'd been planning for a while and decided just to do before they put in a security gate. As a result, their driveway was completely unusable and the only access to the house was a long, unmarked tractor track that involved a bit of off-roading. Essentially, she couldn't get to me at home and my workplace is basically a police station, so I was happy enough to think that, apart from court, I would never have to lay eyes on insane granny again. Yes, I know I'm a moron. Bail and being electronically tagged barely slowed insane granny down. With her son, daughter-in-law, and grandchild in the wind, she had no one to turn her insanity on. Oh no, wait, that's not right. She had me. You see, the building I work in is rather big and sprawling, has multiple entrances and a police station in front of it. As a result, the building also had multiple addresses. Because of my leg, I don't know if anyone remembers, but I broke it a while back being a moron, I haven't been driving to work. Instead, my brother has been dropping me off. This has meant that I've been entering and exiting the building through the police station instead of the lab entrance. The police station which has a different address to the lab. I had no idea, but apparently this meant that nobody was notified when insane granny started parking herself across from the entrance to the police station. I never noticed her park there, nor did I notice when she started following me out to crime scenes. Yep, but it gets worse. Here's that seems like it's irrelevant, but actually it's relevant information that I warned you about. Most of you know that I work in a branch of forensics that deals with really dead people. Very few of our cases turn out to be criminal. The main case I was working at the time, still am actually, was such a case. It was in a rather rural area with multiple sets of remains found in a place where there should be human remains, just not quite in the situation they were found in. I know, be more vague OP, but think of something along the lines of a funeral home fire. Nothing suspicious and you'd expect to find remains in the debris. This was a similar situation. However, dead humans found in odd situation usually means there has to be an investigation just to make sure the remains are who they're supposed to be, that they're all accounted for, nobody was slipped in on the sly, etc. For a number of reasons, it was decided that we, Reed I, would just set up a mobile lab in an isolated building not far from the original scene instead of moving everything to our lab. The building was similar to a town hall or a dance studio or something. It mostly consisted of one large room with two smaller storage rooms at the back. One room had a fire exit that could only be opened from the inside and the other had a single door that we were using to get in and out of the building. The front of the building had a set of double doors that led into a small entryway with toilets on either side and another set of double doors in front that led to the big main room of the building that I worked in. Both sets of doors were unlocked so I could get equipment in and out. However, when I wasn't moving equipment, there was a police car parked in front of the doors and the area was roped off with police tape. I swear to frick, this is all relevant. Now on screen right now, if you're watching on YouTube, OP has actually done a kind of map of everything going on here, labeling themselves and the position of other officers. It's it's an amazing paint job, I will say, but it helps give some sort of indication visually as to what is going on here. Right, while this wasn't an active crime scene, OP was still working with forensic evidence, which technically belongs to Police Scotland and the crime lab. So they had two to three uniformed officers on rotation as security. I'm going to name them officers one to three. And again, on the map, you can kind of see where they are. So officer one is right over to the left, just chilling out. Officer two is near the fire exit at the back of the hall. And officer three is coming from the right. 
And remember, this is a forensic thing. You know, it's police taped. A normal civilian can't get involved here. So there I am working away by myself when Officer One comes sprinting in, telling me to drop everything and GTFO now. He actually hauled me out the last few feet as I apparently wasn't moving quickly enough. He drags me out and around to the front of the building. I think you've all pretty much guessed who was there. Yep, insane granny was outside being insane. Or more accurately, she was kicking and screaming on the ground while officers two and three tried to restrain her. So naturally, I stop walking and start doing my best impression of a fish while my brain nopes the frick out and I vaguely hear the sound of an old dial-up modem as my brain tries in vain to reconnect with reality. Meanwhile, she's shrieking like a toddler and officer one is basically dragging me under the police tape and across the road while talking about getting to a safe distance. Why exactly did we have to get to a safe distance? Because insane granny had opened the building's first set of double doors, dumped a few petrol cans and propane tanks in the entryway and doused the lot in petrol? The only reason the whole place hadn't gone up in flames, other than the fact that propane tanks come with safety valves, so it is rather hard to explode them, was because Officer 3, who just pulled up from his shift, had caught her walking towards the front door from the right side of the building. Oh my days. When she saw him, she made a run for the front door, but he was faster. When he got to her, she had a lighter in her hands and he could smell the fuel inside the building. That was enough for him to realize she was actually a threat and not just some nosy female dog So he took her down and dragged her away. This alerted officer two to the situation He was stationed outside the single door around the side and the two of them tried to restrain her While officer one who'd been somewhere along the perimeter of the original scene was sent to get me out Once more, we're gonna flash the photo up on screen right now You can see the officer three came from the right officer one was way away on the left and officer two was at the back But wow Insane granny just came from out of nowhere and would have probably been able to set this entire place on fire If officer three wasn't coming for his shift that is crazy So the question is what was insane granny doing around the right side of the building? Well, she was parking her car up against the fire escape so it couldn't be opened Yep, she basically tried to trap me in a building and set fire to it I'm not going to go into specifics here, but she screwed herself royally by trying to set that particular building on fire. Not only because she attempted to trap people, mainly me, but she didn't know who else was in there, inside. But remember when I said it was being used as a mobile lab? Yeah, that meant it officially contained material that was, and is, still considered evidence in an ongoing police investigation. And she did all of this while out on bail. Elevating the charges to aggravated and guaranteeing her a prison sentence measured in years Also to add a lot of people are asking about what she's being charged with This incident happened before christmas and her bail for the original breaking and entering charge was immediately revoked And she was denied bail for her second set of charges in scotland If you're denied bail your trial has to happen within 110 days So the trial happened pretty freaking quickly She is currently in prison. I'm not going to give a list of charges. I've got no idea if you'll be able to find her from that, but I'm just not going to risk it. But yeah, they were serious. I'm also not giving her exact sentence for the same reason, but I will say that it was for over three years. The kid and the kid's parents were told about this incident the day it happened and were at the trial. They're still together. The kid's dad apologized to me a few times and he's not, as far as I'm aware, defending his mother anymore. 
I hope this cleared up a few things. So then there we go. That is it. Mad Margaret versus Insane Granny. That is it. All parts are done. Two incredible stories, I have to say. Two stories that you guys absolutely loved when I first read them out on this channel. But now it's up to you. Get in the comments down below who is the most insane, crazy, mad, entitled. You got to let me know. Battle of the absolute legends, dare I say. Definitely crazy woman, that's for sure. But yeah, it's up to you guys right now. Let me know who do you think won. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.